kind of feels like one of those mornings where you just keep singing. I don't know. So week number five. We've done four weeks so far in our Written on My Heart series. And the first four weeks I told you last week were... The easy ones, okay? So it just gets harder from here. They get longer, they get more complex. If you're behind, you're, good luck, okay? Uh, you can do it, you can do it, I believe in you. But let's review together. Week one, we said, John 11, 35, by the way, I did this all on Facebook this morning. I did a video of myself, tested myself, because I was like, I don't know if I know him. So um, I did, I got it, so I think we can do this together. So our first week, this was uh, five weeks ago, it was a very short verse, anybody remember what it says in John eleven thirty-five? Jesus wept. Jesus wept, we got the first one, all right. Second week, we were in the book of Galatians, right? We were in Galatians 5, and anybody want to be brave about the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit? For the fruit of the Spirit is, somebody help me, for the fruit of the Spirit is? We did pretty good there. All right, there's a little goodness, gentleness. Not sure which one goes first. I just know GFG. That's what I do in my head. I know goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Very good. Okay, now week number three, we were in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter six. This is one that you should all be able to remember because I say it almost every Sunday. Anybody want to take a stab at this one? That's good. Michelle Donaldson. Come on, Michelle. All right. Good. Okay. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you or countenance. You can use that word. He can give his countenance to you and give you his peace. Very, very good. That was in Numbers, Numbers chapter 6. Last week, we were in the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and uh, we had uh, um, things to be full of. Do you remember what they were, at least? We needed to be jo- joyful, we needed to be prayerful, and we needed to be thankful. Okay? We got that. So there's your, there's your hint. All right? Anybody want to take a stab at this? Come on, Bertha Peterson. Yes. Way to go. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what does God want for my life, he wants you to be full. He wants you to be thankful. He wants you to be joyful. And he wants you to be prayerful. Good stuff. Good stuff. We're getting there, right? So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, you can either turn to that or we'll have it up on the screen for you. Romans chapter 8, we're all going to say it together, alright? Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced, say it with me, come on, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Paul, speaking here, is convinced. So here's my job this morning. It's to convince you. Alright? It's to convince you that the love of God is always with you. That nothing, no nothing, no nothing can separate you from the love of God. If you came in here this morning... This shouldn't be that surprising. You came to church and you're going to hear a sermon on God's love. And so you're like, I get that. I get that, right? It's not a big surprise to me, but I just want us to dwell in this this morning because as I was contemplating this, this is the question that went along in my head. How close do I actually feel to God right now? So if I sat with you tomorrow morning and I said, how close do you feel to God right now? Like in an emotive sense, how, how much do you feel loved by God right now? How much do you hear his voice right now? How close do you feel to God right now? I think we'd have a collection of answers, right? I think some of us would say, Pastor Brian, it was a hard week. And I, I, I heard a lot of other voices this week, but I did not hear the voice of Jesus this week, right? Some of us would say, man, I had some really incredible devotional times. I, I was on this hike and I saw this rainbow and it just took my breath away. And it was like God was just speaking to me, his love over me. I think we'd have sort of an array of answers to that question. But what I want you to do for just a moment is just take a, a real good look within your own heart and, and ask this question. How close? How close do I feel to God right now? If 10 is, I feel so close, I can almost feel like Jesus is sitting right next to me right now. You might be, some, some of you might be there. I'm guessing a lot of us are somewhere maybe in the middle. Maybe we're a five or a six. We know the love of God. We know intellectually the love of God. But this series isn't called Written on Your Head. Right? This, this series is called Written on Your What? On your heart. So do you have this deep sense of God's love for you? Do you say, yes, I feel close to God right now. I feel like God is right here with me. He's present with me. He loves me. He cares for me. I bet we'd have an array, an array of answers to that question this morning. And so no matter where you are on that continuum this morning, I want to convince you. I want to convince you that no matter how you feel, that the love of God is not separate from you. No matter what your week looked like, the love of God is not separate from you. Whether you had the best week of your life or the worst week of your life, the love of God has not been separated from you if you are a child of God. And so I want to look at six spheres of perceived separation this morning. Because as I was considering this passage, I thought to myself, man... Intellectually, it's, it's easy to know that God loves us and nothing can separate uh, us from God's love. But we live in a world full of separation, don't we? I mean, think about this. We, we live in a world full of separation. Some of you are separated from loved ones right now, right? Some of you have lost loved ones in the past year. Some of you, a lot of us, right, 
have loved ones that don't live anywhere near Big Sky, and they wondered why we moved here, right? And part of it was to get away from them. No, just kidding. Um, we'll edit that out of the podcast so your family didn't hear that. Um, no, we're, we're separated physically from some people, right? We know separation. We know separation sometimes in our own home. Husbands and wives, don't raise your hand. Don't look at your spouse right now. But some of you this week... We're separate from your spouse in some thinking this week. Like, he was thinking this, and you were thinking this. And, and maybe she was thinking we should get a puppy, and maybe he was thinking we shouldn't get a puppy. Okay? I know a guy, I know a guy who had that conversation this week, and there's a puppy now in our house. Um, so I lost. See, we know separation really, really well. We do. We know separation really, really well. We know what it's like to be separate from others. We know um, half of marriages in America and in separation and divorce. It's just, that, that's just half of America. We know that, right? Separation is more what we know than togetherness. Look at our country right now. Are we together or are we separate? We are separate on everything, Right? It's either my side or their side, your side or his side. Which side are you on? This is the question that's burning on everybody's brain because we're not together. We're separate. We're separate. We're separate. And so if we're really honest this morning, what we know in our life is a lot of separation. A lot of separation. And and if we're really honest, a, a, a lot of that is painful. And so what I want to speak to you is not actually your native tongue. Um, because what you know is a life of separation. I, I want to speak to you God's words to you that nothing can separate you from God's love. You are not separate from God's love. You might be separate from a lot of things in life. You are not separate from God's love. So let's look at six aspects, six spheres of perceived separation. Number one, physical separation. Physical separation. The passage says this, For I'm convinced that neither life nor death... All right? Life nor death can separate us from God. Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate. Um, we're going to, to, to just have an incredible time in here um, celebrating a, a lovely man who, who played the, the organ. Um, I, I had all these wonderful times to be able to visit with Klaus and, and just come in here and you'd hear him playing. And if you know Klaus, like he, he would, this was his organ. Okay, this wasn't the chapel's organ. It wasn't somebody else's organ. This was Klaus's organ. Can I get an amen? Somebody knows Klaus, right? And Klaus would come in here and he would play for for nobody other than Jesus. I believe this fully. He'd just come in here and he'd practice and he'd play and he'd play this organ and he'd play this organ. One night, I came over here and there was happened to be a bear uh, out in the street out here. There's bears and big sky visitors, so be careful. Okay, bring your bear spray. And Klaus, in his later years, his health was waning. Um, he, he wasn't doing so well. He wasn't moving as quick as he used to move. And I see Klaus's vehicle parked out here, and there's a bear wandering the neighborhood. And I think, I should go tell Klaus about this bear, right? So I come in, talk to Klaus. Klaus and I go out, and this bear goes bolting across the street. And Klaus would always tell the story about how Brian saved him from the black bear. I'm like, that was just a little one, dude. So, But um, Klaus was just a gem. And here's the thing about Klaus. He's still a gem. See, we say things like this. uh, We lost Klaus. No, we didn't lose Klaus. We know exactly where Klaus is. We know exactly where he is. He's more with God than he's ever been before. 
we, we don't sit here and just, we mourn because we, we don't get to see what he gets to see. That's why we should mourn. We grieve because we don't get to see him anymore, right? Because we are that selfish. But Klaus, Klaus is doing fine. Klaus is doing better than he has ever done. He is not separate from God. Neither life nor death could separate Klaus from the love of God. And he knows this in its fullness right now. And listen to me. This is a big question for us. For those of us who would say, am I a child of God or am I not a child of God? Because Paul is convinced and I am convinced for those of us who are called children of God, we are not separate from God in life or in death. And so we know exactly where Klaus is. If, if you have family members that knew and loved Jesus, you know exactly where they are after death. I did a series last year called Till Death Do Us. And it was a series that was kind of posed this question. At your, at the end of your life, will it be a funeral? Or will it be a wedding? Will it be a funeral or will it be a wedding? I don't know if you saw the royal wedding yesterday. Uh, I did not. Um, Because I got other things to do than that. But I heard it was a big deal. I heard it was amazing. But I'm telling you right now, it's going to pale to comparison to when the bridegroom and the bride, the church and Jesus Christ are together forever because neither death nor life will separate us from the love of God. Nothing physical can separate us from the love of God. Number two, nothing spiritual can separate us from the love of God. It says neither angels nor demons. In some of your translations, it would say principalities. Um, What Paul is talking about here is is what I was saying last week. There's an enemy. There's an enemy. And guess what? The enemy isn't the person you're sitting next to. Don't look next to them, okay? It's not. That's not the enemy, right? Sometimes we feel like the people in our lives are our enemies, right? We have an enemy, and we know his name, and his name means the deceiver, the liar, right? And the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's all he does 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All he wants to do is destroy you and kill you and steal from you. That's all he wants to do. And he's out for your life. He doesn't want you hearing this sermon. He doesn't want you really hearing this sermon, maybe in your head, but he doesn't want it written on your heart. I can tell you that. And so our battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul would later say in Ephesians, but against powers, principalities that want to kill and steal and destroy. And so in a very real sense, every week you are in this spiritual battle. There are powers against you that want to take you down, that want to whisper things like this to you. God doesn't really love you. That's my Satan voice, okay? God doesn't really love you, okay? He, he doesn't really care about you, right? He doesn't. That, that, that's, that's what Satan wants to whisper in your head. If you know, if you've heard this lately, if you've heard in your head or it's just been whispered, God can't love you. You've got so much past God can't love somebody like you. He could never, he could never forgive all of that past in your life. If you've heard that, guess what? You've been sitting at the table, not with Jesus. You've been sitting at the table with Satan. And Satan has been whispering to you and lying to you and deceiving you. And and in this passage, Paul says, no, 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 that will not defeat us. We, it says in the previous verse, we are more than conquerors in this. 
See, nothing even spiritual will separate us from the love of God. See, Satan has already lost. That's the thing. And he's just trying to take as many with him as he possibly can. But he has already lost. When Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished. That was it. That's it. It's over. He wins. Satan loses. There is nothing spiritual that can separate you from the love of Jesus. Physical, spiritual. Number three, time. Time. It says, neither the present nor the future. Okay. Raise your hands for this one. Okay. Have you ever had a time in your life, a season in your life, where you have not felt the love of God? Just raise them really high. Please, please, please. Okay. That's mostly everybody, right? See, we feel that there's these moments in our life, this, this time that separates us from God. That there's these present realities. Um, the busyness of the day. Business of the work week, the season that I'm in, this moment, the present, that, that I'm separate from the love of God. We, we think these things to ourselves. We, we get consumed by the future and we say, well, if this doesn't go the way that we need it to, or, or if things don't work out the way that I want them to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe miss out on the love of God. I'm going to be separate from the love of God. And, and, and that doesn't separate you from the love of God. Whatever you're going through today, Whatever your present is, it does not separate you from God. And whatever your tomorrow is, it does not separate you from the love of God. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. My mom has this cheesy little thing in her, in her bathroom. I don't know why she even has her bathroom, but it's this verse. It's not really a verse. It's not even in the Bible, but it says, it says this. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I'm like, that's a great, that's a great statement, mom. I don't know who came up with that one. It's not in the Bible, but I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And neither the present nor the future can separate you from the love of God. Neither physical, spiritual, time, force. Number four, force. Not any powers, it says. Not any powers. There's this, there's this great story where Jesus is uh, tired from ministry and he's sailing in this boat with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up. And he's sleeping in the bow, as the story goes, right? He's sleeping in the bow and the wind and the waves are, are throwing the boat around and, and there's water coming on board and, and they all look at Jesus and they're like, he's sleeping, dude. Like, what is he doing? And so they go up to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're gonna die out here. This is how this is how we all pray. Jesus, help! Help! Right? This is how we all pray, right? And Jesus kind of you can almost see it like he's kind of groggy anyway, so he's like, listen, don't you know, like I've been doing some ministry. Okay. And he stands up in the front of the boat and he says, Be still. And guess what? Everything's still. The wind and the waves die down. And what's really interesting in that passage. Is that the disciples are like, oh, that's awesome. What it says is that the disciples are even more afraid. <laughs> right? See, there's no force, there's no power that's bigger than the love of God. It doesn't matter how big the storm is in your life. It, it's not going to separate you from the love of God. 
It doesn't matter if your boat is sinking. If Jesus is sitting in the boat with you, there is nothing of force that can come against you that can steal your love, His love from you. There's nothing that can steal His love from you. No powers. Nothing in nature. Nothing, no powers. Let's, let's go this way. No government can take away God's love for you. I don't know what the future holds for the United States of America. It, it seems to me that it gets harder to be a Christian every year. I'm just saying, right? I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the future of that all is. Uh, it could very well be that um, you being a Christian, me being a Christian, could be very threatening for some people in power at some point down the road, right? Maybe not in our lifetime, maybe in our kids' lifetime, I don't know. Um, but I do know this. If you go to China right now, they have to worship in underground churches. If you go to Iran or Iraq right now, I have a, a buddy who's a pastor over there, um, and before during announcement time, they have to have the conversation about um, if a bomb comes in the window, this is what you do, right? That's not exactly what our announcements look like this morning, right? But what I'm convinced of is this. There is no power that can separate you from the love of God. There's no government. There's no boss. There's no force of life that can separate you from the love of God. There's no physical, no spiritual, nothing in time, nothing of force. Number five, no place, no location. It says this, neither height nor depth. Neither height nor depth. Um, What we're talking about here is, is place. There's nowhere that you can go where God can't find you. He's like a creeper, like a good creeper, okay? Right? Like he's, he's kind of like, he's always coming to find you. This is why I actually like, this is why I like the idea of surrendering your life to Jesus. I, I don't think it's bad to say I gave my life to Jesus. I think it does put a little too much power in your hands. Like, like you're, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. Don't have time for that sermon. But I would say, I think better language is I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Because I think this life is like a big chase for Jesus. I think it's like a big chase where Jesus would chase you and chase you and chase you down. And these situations, they just keep coming at you. And somehow Jesus is in the middle of them. And you don't understand. And you just call it a coincidence. You just push it off until another situation comes or somebody comes into your life that coincidentally wants to bring Jesus into your life. And like, well, Jesus, just leave me alone. And then something else comes that reminds you about Jesus. And you're like, Jesus, you're kind of everywhere, right? And that's exactly right. Jesus is everywhere. There is no place that he cannot go. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139, and it uses this word, these words. There's no height nor depth. You know, you can't go to the tallest mountain. You can't go to the tallest mountain and get away from Jesus. Most of the time, when you get to the tallest mountain, you actually go, oh, Jesus is really here, right? And actually, if you go to the deepest depths, and I'm not just talking physically, if you go to the deepest depths, sometimes you know that's exactly where you find Jesus, right? So there is no height nor depth that can separate us from God. Once again, this is something that's hard for us because I think location um, often messes with us. We, we come to church and we think, I'm close to Jesus right now. But listen, when you're driving down the canyon, I use this a lot, okay? Because I'm talking to myself. <laughs> when I'm driving down the canyon, I'm with Jesus just as much as when I'm at church. 
when I'm disciplining my kids, whether I'm doing it well or not, uh, Jesus is just as much with me as he is in church. When I'm plumbing, (laughs) I'm fixing plumbing in my house, Jesus is just as much with me as he is with me in church. And sometimes we create this dualistic thinking that, like, I'm coming to church, and I get to church, and now I get my Jesus, and then I go and live my life like something else, right? See, Jesus is with you always, in every location. There is nowhere, nowhere, where you can be separated from the love of God. Number six, cosmos. So we'll go through them. Physical, spiritual, time, force, place, and then cosmos. It says, Paul's just kind of trying to paint a picture here. And and he's saying, if I missed anything, okay? Nothing in all of creation. He's just trying to say, listen, okay, if I missed anything, let 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 me make it very clear to you. There is nothing that can separate you. From the love of God. Nothing in all creation. Um, there's, there's some talk about colonizing Mars someday. Have you heard this conversation? Okay. And so people are like, oh, we're going to use all the Earth's resources at some point. We need to colonize other planets. We need to colonize Mars. Or we need something. And listen, if we do that, guess who's going to be there? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus will be there. God's love for us will be there. You can go to Mars. You can go to Venus. You can go to a planet that we never met before, right? It does not matter. It cannot separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God. So here's the big idea. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate you. That can separate us from God's Love and, and I want to want to just take the rest of the time to unpack this um, a little further. First, when when Paul says us, he's saying this very specifically, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit of of Romans for us. Um, the context for this verse, okay? So I'm gonna start at verse twenty. I'm gonna start at verse twenty eight. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Don't be worried about that word predestined. It just means predestined, okay? Um, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is, is the one whom, who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword as it is written. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, no, I, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. And if you get confused and you go, well, there's all this stuff about being called by God. Listen, look at me right now. You're called by God. He's calling to you. He's calling to you. In these verses, He's calling to you. In every single moment of every single day, He's calling to you. And so the question is, will you respond? And I don't want to hold this too lightly for us. Will we respond to this good news? Because I want to tell you this. This promise is only for God's children. It's only for God's children. I don't want, I don't want to be exclusive in my, in my conversation here. But I, but I kind of want to just speak what the Bible says, right? It's for God's children. Not, our, not on us to try to figure out who's in, who's out. We don't play that game. That's God. God is in charge. His ways are far greater than our ways, right? We need to play the humble card there, right? But what we do know is that we are called to respond. And these promises are for us that say, yes, I am a child of God. We sing these songs that say, I am a child of God. But listen, some of us, I just want to put this out there. Some of you might be saying, I don't even know if I should be singing those words. God is calling to you. God is calling to you. God is calling to you. There is nowhere you can run from his love. He's calling to you and he wants you to respond. And I just want to, I want to put this out there. Sometime this summer, we're going to have a baptism service. We do every summer. We do it down at the river. It's going to be awesome because it always is. And, and we get in the river and we sing some songs and people give them, they surrender. That's the right word. Surrender their lives to Jesus because Jesus chased them down and there was nowhere, nowhere, nowhere that they could get away from the love of God. And for some of you, it's time to take that step. For some of you, it's time to say, you know what? I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to rise a new creation. I am a child of God. So that's one part of it. But the second part of it is this. For those of us who are children of God, um, here's the picture that I was just given as a gift from God to this week. So I had a weird week. Um, some really good things happened. Had a lot of uh, great work stuff. Uh, we, we have a dog in our house. I'm not sure if that goes on the great list or not. But i um, still trying to figure that out. Um, and I also had some uh, just weird conversations, tough conversations. I And, and quite frankly, yesterday, um, I did not want to preach the sermon. I was thinking, who else could I tap on the shoulder to preach the sermon? Because <laughs> don't ever be a preacher, okay? No, just kidding. I think some of you should actually should think about it. Um, but... When you preach, you always end up having to have to deal with things. That's why I don't preach about marriage or, or parenting much, because then I have to deal with some things. Okay. Um, but yesterday, and Lori can attest this, I was in a bunk. I was in a bad place yesterday. I'm not even sure I'm out of it yet. I'm smiling, but I'm not sure I'm out of it. I don't know what it is. If, if it was the funky weather yesterday or... Or just some of the weird conversations that I had towards the end of the week. But I was just thinking, how can I, how, I feel like such a hypocrite. How can I preach this? I feel so far from God's love right now. And as we were driving home, um, from driving around looking for moose and just trying to get out of the house for a little while, we came home and we pulled in and this happened. <sighs> this is my front yard. And, um, 
This is God showing off. We'll call it that. Okay. Now, um, uh, my theology does not inform me that this life is all about me, but I feel like Jesus gave me this. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> my theology is more solid than that, but I I just had this moment yesterday where I sat there and I looked up at that rainbow. And I couldn't help but think, and this is how I'm going to end and invite the worship team to come lead us in one last song. I couldn't help but think of a guy named Noah. Anybody know the story of Noah? So there's this guy named Noah. And he's in this um, really strange society where people are really evil and and horrible and, and the world's kind of falling apart. And God says, you know what, I'm going to wipe this thing out. This whole deal, this whole creation deal didn't work out as I thought. I think I'm going to have to start with a clean slate. I'm going to start over. And then he saw this guy, Noah, who Noah wasn't, he was just, he was just Noah. He was just a normal Noah guy. He, yeah, he was faithful to God. He loved God. He responded to God, right? Um, but he said to Noah, hey, I want you to do something crazy in the middle of um of this world. I want you to I want you to build a boat. And I want you to get all your family. I want you to get in that boat. And I'm gonna fill it full of animals and I'm gonna shut the door and then a flood's gonna come and it's gonna knock everything out. It's gonna wipe everything, everyone out. But guess what? I'm gonna keep you safe. And it's not about you, it's about me. Right? So sometimes we go, well, why did God kill all those people? Here's the question. Why did God spare Noah? Why? God is good. God is holy. Here's the second half of the story. Uh, um, Noah, after the, the uh, boat lands, he gets out of the boat, gets drunk. No joke. You can read this. Gets drunk, ends up in a cave naked. Okay? So uh, Noah has some problems. We'll just say it that way. Okay? You read the story. That's not the one you heard in children's church, but I'm telling you, it's there, okay? <laughs> why, did, why did God save Noah? Love. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Love. Why are we gathered here in this place right now? Love. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You are in the boat, and you are safe, and there's a rainbow coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are your children, that we are loved, that when everything else fails us, that when the storms of life rage, um, your love never fails us. Well, some of us need to be convinced of that this morning. Some of us are having a hard time even believing that right now. God, I, I admit to you there are moments when I'm having a hard time with that. And um, there are those of us who are in a season of life right now that are hurting and desperate to know that your love is there for them. There are those of us um, who have felt far from your love for a very long time and we need to come back and respond and hear this fresh and new. And God, there's some of us who we feel like we're in a really sweet spot right now and, and, and 
We see your love all around, and, and regardless of where we are, God, would you make this more than just words on a page? Would you make this speak to our hearts? Would you write this on our hearts? No, I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor nothing else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Please stand and sing.